You got to hear this. A little I bit can of this. imagine what can be and be unburdened by what has been. You know, what can be unburdened by what has been. What can be the music <laughs> unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened by what has been. What yeah. can be unburdened by what has been. What we can see, what we believe can be unburdened by what has been. What can be. <laughs> Unburdened by what Dude, has this been. This is what can four be, minutes long. What can be unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened by what has I been. What can be unburdened by what has been. Oh, with a mask, that's Unburdened by what has been. There are those who are unable to see what can be, um, but there are many more. Who are able to see what can be unburdened by what has been? <laughs> unburdened by what? Unburdened by. There's one earlier. Unburdened on. by what? Where are you guys? My favorite ones with the mask. Can see <laughs> what we believe can be unburdened by what has been. What can be? There's one here. You're like, oh, she's so drunk. What can be unburdened by what has been? What can be unburdened by what has been? What can be unburdened by what has been? Who we can be. Where we can be. She had that kind of like glossy eyes, you know, like they're almost a little watery. So like just flushed so face, sugar <laughs> awake. Oh, what could be unburdened by what has been? <laughs> That's pretty good. Isn't that interesting? That's her uh, like satisfaction, you know, Mick Jagger's on there. Oh, satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> but every time, just, just gotta yeah, just really gotta sell, sell it. it. Yeah. Gotta sell it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! I know. Alrighty then. I think we already started the show. Yeah. Fuck it. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying that's it. song you know the song right yes very popular song right yeah the one hit wonder though uh wall of voodoo wall of voodoo yeah um, when i heard the voice uh shane mcgowan from the pogues just died 
This week. Oh, is that right? Yeah, which I actually didn't think he was still alive. And it's we were having a conversation that he was. We were having a conversation last night. I was like, uh, Shane McGowan, or to go back, we were just talking about the Rolling Stones. It's kind of like the Irish Keith Richards in that. Uh, you know, we talk about like, don't smoke, don't drink, eat well, exercise, so you don't die when you're young. I was like, there. Eh, but on the other side of that coin, we have Shane McGowan and you know, Keith Richards. <laughs> yep. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know why that popped in my head. It's that guy's voice. I was like, this sounds like Pogue-ish, but huh. I, and it's definitely not the Pogues. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't hear that. Uh, I'll have to listen to it again. Yep. So you know what that song's about? Uh... I know this song very well because I remember listening to it as a kid. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, it's from the like, late 80s. Yeah. Um, actually, it's from 1983. But uh, it's about what they call um, border blasters, Mexican radio stations that are way more highly powered than the FCC allows the AM stations in the United States uh -huh. to be powered. Right. And so they set up their transmitters right along the border in Mexico and they just blast the United States. Oh, really? Yeah. So they can care, you know, they have a much farther reach than the American radio stations yeah. do. And they actually, you know, get a, an audience that, um, is more wealthy and, you know, yeah, able yeah. to buy the things that they're advertising. Anyway, you know, yeah, obviously that makes sense why you would do that. But, uh, yeah, they wrote that song cause they were, you know, down there like San Diego and in those areas, you'll just pick up the AM station from Mexico. That's awesome. There's even some cases of like, there was a governor in Texas who, uh, advertised on the border blaster. Oh, really? Yeah. Stations <laughs> for his campaign. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was that band? Wall of Voodoo. Wall of Voodoo. Okay. Yeah, that, that name doesn't doesn't stand out to me. I don't think I would have ever guessed that. But definitely know that song. Yeah. I know I was surprised too. I didn't I thought it was a more popular band, but so I heard a uh, a story that uh, I think you will find interesting is we are um we are both from Ferndale, mm -hmm. California, which is uh northern probably but four and a half hours north of San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, right. If you look on California, there's this little nipple that sticks out. That's where Ferndale is, right on the beach. And it's primarily a dairy farming town. Mm -hmm. uh, the town has not grown since we were kids. Uh, I think it was 1,400 and some change back then. It's still 1,400 and some change. Mm -hmm. um, the demographics have changed quite a bit. Yeah. And so they... Um, and the town is exactly the same as when it was when I was a kid. Uh, just, you know, there's no big developments, you know, you yeah. know a new house will pop up here and there, but, uh, there's only so much land available there, which is all has been given to the cows. And part of the beauty of that town is like, there's no gas station, there's no stoplight. Um, and at least the way it was when I was younger, and I believe this is still to be true today is they <clears throat> had a town ordinance that every business had to be locally owned. So there's not a single, there's no chain stores mm -hmm. there, which is, makes the place like beautiful. So I had my mom here to come visit and, um, the running joke is, oh, you know, I have all those Ferndale shirts and you're familiar with the phrase, uh, Ferndale is a cow town. Mm -hmm. It's bumper stickers that everyone has on their car. It's on t-shirts. I have a bunch of these t-shirts. It's true. Ferndale is a cow town yep. because there's 1400 people and there's 16,000 cows. It's nicknamed going back, uh, over a century, it was Cream City. Cream City, yeah. 
Yeah, the frindle handshake is the thumbs down pointed, <laughs> and you know we shake the two udders. Yeah, it's like. And when I was in high school, you know, everyone made fun of us because we were hicks, and we we would embrace it. We'd purposely wear our hats tight to get like hat rings and in, in the area, <laughs> yeah, yeah in, the, in the whole deal. So my mom told me the story that because um, I was wearing a Ferndale shirt, she goes, "The Ferndale, the Cowtown." Like, do you know where that came from? I was like, uh, "Because it is a Cowtown." She goes, "No, that's actually that goes back to like the very very early '80s, I believe." And what had happened? Because we always talk about like it's straight redneck dairy farmers and like hippie artists yep and who have a lot in common <laughs> come to find out <laughs> yeah, as it turns out but the the where that hippie art scene came is in that in that early 80s is a bunch of very very well-to-do artists from southern california all moved up to ferndale and they went to they went to town uh, no pun intended to try to convert Ferndale into this like getaway rural bumpkin playground for the rich elites of LA, hmm. which take a while to guess how that went over in Ferndale. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that <laughs> didn't go over well. Right. Like a fart in church. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of get into the Ferndale weeds here, but it's it makes for a good story. Is yeah, do you remember growing up Nilsen's feed? Yep. Nilsen's feed right off Main Street, which was like that so you know, they sold all the feed, was also like the hardware store and everything. Mm-hmm. When that was originally proposed to be built in Ferndale, all of these rich artists from Southern California went to was Fernell even have a city council? <laughs> the three people that yeah. make these decisions and said, "No, we don't. We don't want to put this feed store here." And all the farmers are there. All the dairy farmers are like, "We need a feed store. Like, we need a hardware store. Why not put it on Main Street? This makes the most sense." And they're saying, "Like, no, we're trying to turn this into this like destination place. It's going to make all this money. All these rich people will come from L.A." And of course, the farmers like. I don't give two good goddamns like what you think's gonna happen. Like we need a feed store, and like that's what we're gonna have. And one of the guys at the meeting, so do you know the? I'm gonna I guess use some people's names. Leonardo family mm-hmm. is every. There's there's basically three nationalities in Fernando. There's the Danish, the Swiss, and the Portuguese, mm-hmm. right? And they're all everyone can trace their family back if you're from Fernando. My family are Danish, and in the Swiss, I should add in there too, because it's you did. Where, yeah, they're all. Um, those are all like if you we went to my hometown in Switzerland. It looks exactly like Ferndale. Right. It totally makes sense. They came here to do dairy farming, you know, yeah. and that's where my family came from. Is another family, uh, the Portuguese family, is Le- the Leonardos, who I'm sure you know mm-hmm. at least thirty Leonardos. Yep. <laughs> you know, growing <laughs> up, and Tony Leonardo, who was like kind of the patriarch of the family. This is like going back in. Happens to be my grandpa's best friend. Uh huh. And um, this guy gets up with this guy from L.A. And goes like, look, you guys are like, you're, you're kind of missing the bigger picture here. It's like, if you put this feed store here, these people are going to come visit. They're going to come to Ferndale and they're going to see this like feed store right at Main Street. And you think like, this is just some cow town. And Tony Leonardo stood up and there and looked the dude straight, uh, straight in the eyes. He goes, Ferndale is a cow town and don't you ever forget it. And that's where that came from. <laughs> nice. Is that awesome? That's great. <laughs> Dude, you know what's kind of... My mom told me a story. I was like amped. I was like, dude, that, that is a great story. It's kind of sad, but that vision for Ferndale has slowly come true. You think? Yeah. Because yeah, part of that's it, that is true, yeah. Part of the reason is that there used to be... It used to be that a dairy farmer in Ferndale could support his family yeah. um, with a, 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 a home dairy. And meaning 
himself, maybe his kids and uh, some some hands would yep. help. They would have, uh, I don't know, a few hundred head of dairy cows of Holsteins and they would be able to um, make a living. Yeah. And that changed thanks in no small part to government regulations, but yeah. um, those regulations then making it... <clears throat> We actually, I want to talk to somebody. I was thinking that maybe Wes, uh, no, Sue Anderson mm-hmm. um, would actually let me interview her for this topic. Yeah. But, um, long story short. Anderson's Danish family. There you go. Long story short, uh, only a few dairies are left in Ferndale. They control the whole market there. And so the kids that are growing up in Ferndale, a lot of them can't afford to live in Ferndale. Mm-hmm. So they leave and the people with money move in and pay exorbitant prices for homes. I don't know if you've looked at the cost of homes in Ferndale. It's it's lately, wild but. because we are in Sonoma County with a wildly inflated real estate market because we just happen to be the logical step for people fleeing the city. It's right. like, okay, I can get away from the city. Like we're still, we have like rural spots. You go north of where we are, like it, it's, there's nothing, yeah. you know, until you... Well, get up to Humboldt County, like where we're from, is Humboldt County is a very, very poor place where we grew up. Like mm-hmm. Eureka is a shithole. <laughs> it's like yes, if it I is. could disparage my own environment. <laughs> um, but Ferndale's real estate prices, you'd think it was in the Bay Area. Yep. It's wild. Yeah. It's comparable all, to here. But all the towns around it are Humboldt County prices. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with that. It's like, no, they said no to the 7 Eleven and the Chevron and the teen pregnancy and the STDs and the meth and everything. For some reason, that just never reached Ferndale. And so it still is that vision that those, you know, I'm not a fan of people from Southern California, typically that they had that vision for Ferndale was for good reason. And it still holds true. It would be interesting to run the counterfactual and see if those people weren't investing in Ferndale, what would happen to Ferndale if it would start to get kind of trashy? Yeah. Because as much as I hate the fact that rich retired people move there and kind of change the demographic. There's not like the only reason the school has the same population now that it did when I graduated and my graduating class was one of the biggest classes ever. And it was 55 kids. Mine was, mine was 34. Yeah. I think Uh, the only reason is because all of the depressed areas around Ferndale, the people will send their kids from those areas to to school at Ferndale. Yeah. Ferndale had a, uh, the distinction of like a, California distinguished school, like it was inordinately an amazing school. Right. Like, uh, yeah, as far as public schools go, well, you could do a lot worse than Ferndale High or Ferndale Elementary. Um, But I was going to say, because I know you probably think I forgot what I was going to say, and I didn't. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. Right now, what I was going to say was that um, I didn't forget. Um, you forgot, um, didn't you? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was about what are we, are the kids coming from out there, and then the, you buy it up to run the counterfactual. Um, fuck. It was a good point. I forget. Oh, well. All good. Um, You'll remember in the middle of the night tonight. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's interesting. I'm uh, glad you brought that up. I love the, I, I could write a. I could do a whole podcast, probably not a whole book, but on just on Ferndale that would, I would find incredibly interesting and no one else would, but (laughs) (laughs) it it is, uh, I, I still, I still thank God to this day that that's where I grew up. It was such an amazing place. Yep.
Yeah. Me too. You just know everyone. No, we lucked out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to snap you back into reality with a little, All right. little video here. Let's get you know, depressed. every election cycle we talk about this is the most election of our lifetime. Mm. Lawrence, this one is. I have been fortunate and blessed to, during the course of being vice president, have many situations where it becomes clear to me that there are... You know, people of every age and, and gender, by the way, who see something about being the first that lets them know they don't need to be um, limited by other people's limited um, understanding of who can do what. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't get that? Do you want to hear it again? Uh, I, I mean, I told, <laughs> I know, I told, yes. I told Gertrude that I think that this woman is just plain dumb. Yeah. And she was like, she can't be dumb. I mean, you don't get to that position by, if you're not smart and by and large, you don't follow politics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are some positions that, that, well, a lot of positions that are held by smart people who got there due to their cunning. Mm -hmm. Gavin Newsom probably would yeah. fall into that category. You can't really call Gavin Newsom dumb. No. Evil, but not dumb. <laughs> really, really evil. But this woman is, is just dumb. Just dumb. Yeah. She's not evil. <laughs> you don't think? She, she's a better person than Gavin Newsom. <laughs> she just has well, no it's idea. A low bar, my friend. <laughs> yeah. she, you don't think she's evil? No, actually, I don't think, like, you have to be smart to be evil because you have to be um, capable of, of like, danger. Yeah, conniving, yeah. doing the 4D chess. You have to know how to manipulate people. You know, have to, you know, you, you got to just, evil takes, like, it burns intellectual calories. And she doesn't have those to spare. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, yeah, I think you might be right about that. I think she just takes the world's strongest edible first thing in the morning, slams a couple of cocktails and yeah, I'm just going to start talking, fire up those mics. She, you know what it is? As long she's as like, I nod my head like this and like raise my hands. I'm like, I'm making a poignant thing. She's this probably is, decided this is the most election of our time. Yeah. The most election <laughs> of our time. What the fuck are you she, saying? She's probably decided that she's made it as far, much further than she ever thought oh, was yeah. possible at this point. Like who knew blowing Willie Brown was going to end up here, sorry. you know? Yeah. And it's, it's like, I you know, it's just going to be the DA and like, like hey, holy shit. Why not just wake up and start drinking first thing in the morning? I mean, really? Do you want to be president? Do you really? I don't think she wants to be president. No. Right? No. So if she screws it up, like all for the better, which is going to make it much easier when they need to get her out of the way, by the way, in order to get Mr. You know, Governor Hairgel in there. But mm -hmm. um, I think we're at the moment uh, that we should do the prediction. But um, <clears throat> after we do that, I want to. I want to say something about Christmas because I have a feeling this episode is being released on Tuesday, mm -hmm. which if my uh, sources are correct, that's what, the day after? Kwanzaa. You're seriously asking the wrong guy? Yeah. I'm pretty sure because it's uh, Gertrude's birthday. Okay. Um, and then uh, I do want to hear the, the thing that you were talking about sure. before, the, before the pod started, but I also, you have a uh, prediction, right? Uh, I do. Can you say? I do. Let's hear it. So... I think that going back to like what something that we have brought up, uh, brought up in the past is that will we even have an election? And you and I decided to shirk all responsibilities 
get drunk in the middle of the day so we could go Christmas shopping together. <laughs> my wife, my wife <laughs> goes, you guys went shopping together? And I'm like, yeah, dude, it was a good time. She goes, I can't even imagine you guys doing that. I was like, well, we got really drunk first. <laughs> I can't find the gift that I bought, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I think what happened is I hit it. Drunk, and I don't remember where I hit it. No one's ever gonna find it here, including this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, it it, it worked out because I just had anxiety, you know. But here I am staying in that giant line with all this bullshit that no one actually wants. Going like, this this is all right. It was the most relaxed I've ever seen you in a line. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, uh, but to go back to a kind of semi-prediction that we brought up and that the uh, originally brought up by Colonel McGregor that we might not even have an election. Mm -hmm. We kind of spun this one into way out into the weeds yesterday and came up. I mean, we could easily do a whole podcast just on like different predictions that we were doing. Um, I believe that either we won't have an election or it won't exist in the way that we understand our modern day political process to exist. Um, I think I'm going to get a little specific here. I think they, they tried to re roll out COVID. Um, they are still trying to do that. I don't know if you look at the news, like, or oh, looked is- at in the grocery store and all the people wearing masks. Right. Yeah. yeah. But to use that as the impetus for canceling election, I, don't, I just don't think it's going to fly too many people are like, you know, I, no one's buying it anymore. So what they, I think they do is a kind of like the, the, the velociraptor and, and Jurassic park, you know, we often use that metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's like test Testing. the fence, yeah. test the fence, test the fence. Like, is this going to fly? Is this going to fly? Can I get through here? Can I get through here? And, I think they try that with COVID. Um, they try that with the boogeyman, with uh, Putin and the uh, Israel-Palestine thing. I think it's going to be, and I'm seeing a lot of predictive programming with that movie Civil War, uh, Leave the World Behind, mm-hmm. the new um, Oh, I do have something to say about that if yeah, you want to get into it. Yeah, the new film by uh, Barry Sotoro and Big Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is I think it's going to be, because uh, we talk about when they do these, and we're going to talk about controlled opposition and false flags, which is something I think there's a big overlap, and I think it kind of encompasses like some a lot of these issues that we talk about, is they will roll out something or take a pre-existing situation and take advantage of it and never let a crisis go to, ra- go to waste. And what they will do is, well, while we're doing this thing, we can kind of squeeze a couple other things in here. So um, to meddle with the elections, I think there's going to be some kind of universal internet outage. Mm-hmm. Shut down the internet. Um, that I, will, I, We can't use the voting machines if we have no internet. <laughs> uh, wait a second. I thought you said that they couldn't be connected to the internet in the first place. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think that will uh, also coincide or align with a domestic terrorism event. And I think the two will work together and they will call for an internet ID. It sounds very, very likely that they would p- try to pull something like that off. Um, I think what I just said about the internet, though. Which is the intro for what I'm going to talk about today, too. But okay, cool. Yeah. Um, if... They say we can't have the election because the internet, you know, like big eye internet mm. is down. Did you ever see that South Park where the internet was down uh-uh. and it was this big deal and they finally went to the internet and they, and someone suggested, did you try unplugging it and plugging it back in? And that fixed the, the problem. 
<laughs> but if they do, we s- joke, but that does solve like five out of ten problems when you're <laughs> something going wrong wrong with electricity or any technology. Yeah, yeah. Or when we had earlier playing music, like, did you take it apart? Yeah. Did you blow on everything? Yeah. Does it work? No. Uh, it's fucked. I have to blew on it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if they do claim that because the internet is down, we cannot have the election, mm-hmm. like, remember, their machines are not supposed to be hooked up to the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, just keep that filed away there in the back mm-hmm. of your head, everyone, as you're going, I knew it. Not, you know, going in the streets and doing anything about it or protesting, but sitting around going, I fucking told you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let me just get this Christmas message uh, out of the way here before we get into the real stuff. Um, I'm just hearing the sleigh bells right now. <laughs> Come mm, God, I love Christmas music. Uh, so it's as if Crocodile Rock was an entire season. <laughs> I have come around on Christmas music. Really? Christmas music. I love it. I heard a song actually at our church that was like, this is a really good song. If you had to choose between the secular songs and the spiritual songs, I mean, definitely no brainer, yeah. right? Well, that's, that's a divide. Oh, you're talking about within the context of Christmas music? Christmas music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. the spiritual ones I, I actually do enjoy. Yeah. Which actually is part of what I want. And they're to better. Say. Yeah. They're better songs. Well, everything, every piece of art made Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, Frosty the Snowman. Fuck off. Pile of shit. (laughs) Goddamn abortion of a song. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, speaking of the Christmas spirit. um, (laughs) Right, okay. (sighs) Okay. So, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. our Lord and Savior, Mm -hmm. was probably executed... Uh, for being a libertarian. Mm. All right, so let me let me okay. tell you why I think that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he he made sacrifices throughout his life, and those sacrifices eventually led to him being killed mm-hmm. by the state. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, back then the government was Caesar, essentially. Right. Right. And speaking of. Christmas music and the spiritual music, you know, uh, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Mm-hmm. Let earth receive its king, right? Or heart the herald, angels sing, um, glory to the newborn king. Yeah. If those songs are to be believed, uh, the angels were singing when he was born. Yeah. The wise men knew that he was going to be born. I mean, this was this was a, a prophecy that that came true. And the day he was born, he was being called the king, right. which was directly in opposition to Caesar. So from the minute he was born, he was a subversive uh, being. Yeah, and I just want to insert real quick that you talked about how he was killed by the state. And I think my favorite viral internet interaction was anti-gun beta male David Hogg just decided to throw it out there on Twitter. said, hey, remind me once again, how many AR-15s did Jesus own? And the response being, not enough to be avoid being killed by his own government. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Bingo. Perfect. Exactly. Um, 
one of his teachings was that the, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Mm-hmm. And that was maybe his most subversive message. That was the part of the service that we were at uh, night before last. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so what that amazing. says is that, you know, you don't need the Caesar mm-hmm. because your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which is far more beautiful and greater than the kingdom that you're living in right now. It's, you know, paradise on paradise. Mm-hmm exists within you and that can't be taken from you. Yeah. So there's nothing Caesar can do to you, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God means like you can have, you can even take my stuff. I don't care. The kingdom of heaven is inside of me. Yeah. You can't control people who believe that, right? Yeah. That is, you are basically. That's why it was such a threat. Exactly. Yeah. And what, you, what you're arguing for there is. Still uh, is. Personal autonomy, mm-hmm. essentially. Right, I like this. Which is what our founding fathers uh, were all about, and and basically Western um, culture is all about. Is this idea that the individual is a sovereign entity, and nobody has the right to fuck with them? Inalienable rights, exactly. Yep. Everyone is born with those rights, whether you're born in the Congo or in um, you know some dictatorship, North Korea. You still have those rights. There's just somebody that's taking them from you and, right. and abusing those rights. Um, I like this. You get me like amped up right now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> when he overturned the tables in the temple, um, you know, it, I don't see that as being anti-libertarian. He wasn't against capitalism and money. He was against people being taken advantage of in this temple, in mm-hmm. this holy place, you know, um, he, he did that because those people were violating, you know, but taking advantage of people, basically mm-hmm. violating their rights. Um, and yeah, and again, that's what the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution said is that you have the right to happiness and no one can take that from you. It's just like saying the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. You are allowed to do whatever you want as long as you're not messing with somebody else. Yeah. Right. And those are, that's basically the non-aggression principle in a nutshell. OGLP. Exactly. <laughs> um, but sometimes we get carried away as libertarians in this kind of um, nostalgia for the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the, and, oh, the, yeah. and the time that that, you know, came into existence. It's like, why can't we just go back there as if there was ever a period where people weren't fighting to defend their rights? Yeah. Um, it's not like in, there was a grace period of, you know, 10 or 15 years where the constitution just protected everyone from being their rights being violated. Yeah. And have you heard that example that Michael Malice uses where he says it's, you know, some people think that like they have, you know, when they talk to a cop, for example, and they're like, you can't violate my rights. You know, I'm an American citizen. The constitution forbids it. And it's as if you're holding up the constitution going abracadabra. Yeah. Which is so funny because yes, it's true. There is no, there's no magic power in the constitution. Yeah. In fact, the constitution has been just trampled on, but since basically since the ink was not yet dry. (laughs) Yes. Right. I would agree with this. And it makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of power in, uh, being able to control, um, a place like the United States, right? Mm -hmm. There's power in power, I guess is what I'm saying. There's a lot of incentive to kind of 
to gather that power and be able to control people. So obviously people are always going to try to do that. When the founding fathers ended um, the rule of, of King George, um, it was, there was a power vacuum, right? Right. Somebody wanted to fill that, that vacuum. What was supposed to fill that vacuum was libertarianism as we know it, mm-hmm. uh, lowercase L libertarianism. Um, and so we like to say that it's like, you know, we think that we're, we're free, but largely we're not that we're always being abused yeah. by the state. We rant about it all yeah. the time. Um, and so actually here, let me just play this clip. I have a clip for you of this. This is a attorney. I think he's a private investigator, but he is in Oklahoma. He's sitting in his truck and uh, out on the street in a neighborhood. And some people in the neighborhood called the cops because they, they said there's a suspicious truck mm-hmm. out front. Well, this guy's waiting for uh, one of the neighbors to come home so he can go in and take a picture of their uh, garage door or something. He's yeah. doing some sort of investigation for him. And uh, he's just sitting there. But he, And keep in mind, he's an attorney, so he knows his rights. Gotcha. And so here comes the oh, state. Oh, I love these videos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never done something Well, I like to identify. You just know who I'm dealing with. Make sure. I'm going to inter- uh, read over it, actually, because the wind makes it hard to hear uh, what he's saying. Some, But what he just said is, um, have I done something wrong? And he says, well, I'd just like to know who I'm dealing with. Make sure. Fourth Amendment right. I'm sure. I had the Fourth Amendment right. Well, if I'm making contact with you for a, a reasonable suspicion call like I am right now. Being suspicious is a misdemeanor. I don't know if you belong over here. You said you don't. So I don't know if someone over here has got a beep door or something against you. And if you got your ID Did or I something. Did I say I didn't belong over here? You said you had purpose. I don't, I don't live over here. Okay. Okay. I, I do belong. Okay. Here. All right. So, well, I'm, I'm sitting in a truck in the house. Wait. For what? Who's right here? Okay. That's not your business. It is my business. No, it's not. How, why is it your business? Because I want to make sure you're not going to break into these houses or anything like that. Do I look like I'm going to break into a house? I don't so know. Do I look like I'm break into a house? I don't know. You have a ladder. <laughs> Really? So now people with ladders are <laughs> sus- suspicious criminals. <laughs> you have a ladder. Hey, what's that, man? Nothing. Sorry to bother you. I got a random question for you, though. So this is him right talking to an attorney. So the, cop, the cop uh, obviously has an attorney that he can dial up. It yeah. might be the DA or something. And, right. and he says, you know, what's the actual law here? Yeah. So basically, this guy. I, dude, I will say, like, I don't do, I don't know. I don't take this side very often. But dude, kind of a little bit semi. Kudos that cop going like, let's figure out what the law is instead of being a fucking dick and like doubling down, which I've seen happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen many of these videos. They, All right. Well, let's see if you, we'll see we'll see if you maintain okay. that yeah, opinion. Okay. All, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he's explaining to the attorney what happened. So I got a call out to an address. Out to an address for a suspicious vehicle and gentleman's parked in a black pickup. He's from Oklahoma City, but he won't give me his name and tells me he doesn't have to give me his driver's license because he's not done anything wrong. Driving a vehicle? Well, he's parked right now. Well, technically, there's no obligation for him to identify himself. If you get a drive away, absolutely. So, if you are sitting, and this is true in California too, um, in probably a lot of states, but this is Oklahoma, but it holds true in California. If you are sitting in a vehicle, not operating the vehicle, and you are not being accused of a crime. You do not have to identify yourself to the police. It's also, that's the same for uh, uh, DUI laws as well, too. 
if you are sitting in a car over the legal limit, uh, number one, you don't have to identify yourself if, and you do not have to consent to a field test or sobriety test. Right. Uh, if your keys are in the ignition, uh-huh. the engine doesn't have to be on, but if your keys are in the ignition, that's intent to drive. Therefore, you are subjected to the other set of laws. Yeah. Um, well, this also holds true that if you are a passenger, <laughs> a friend who went to jail over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the keys in the ignition. Yeah, the keys Damn in the ignition. <laughs> yeah, car wasn't started because your keys in the ignition. So you have to. I'm going to put you through all these tests. If you're a passenger in a vehicle, because I, I wanted to look this up and make sure it was the same in California mm-hmm. as it is in Oklahoma. But if you're a passenger in a vehicle, you also do not need to show your ID, even if that I vehicle was stopped. Um, for breaking, uh, running a red light or something. Right. This is state by state though, right? It is state by state. So look it up in your own state and actually, please do not take my word for this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but based on uh, my best guess, uh, based on the work that I did this morning. Yeah. This is, this is the same here as it is in California. Um, they're in Oklahoma, correct? They're in Oklahoma. Okay. So what the attorney just told him was that well, if he's sitting in the car, no, he doesn't have to show you his ID. Yep. If he's not being suspected of a crime, because there is, has not been a crime committed, mm-hmm. they just got a call from the neighbors saying that there's a suspicious car. That's not a crime. Right. It's just, according to the neighbor, suspicious, right? Yeah. What the attorney is telling him here is that if he's driving the vehicle, then you can pull him over. Yeah. Because we all know they can come up with a million reasons right. to pull you over. Yeah, they could. I mean, they just make it up. Your t- tail lights are too dim. At one point, I kind of I edited the video down, but at one point, the cop before he goes and calls the attorney walks around to the front of the vehicle, and he's like, "Aha! See, you're you're off the uh, the city street. You're on the gravel on the side of the road, so you're <laughs> trespassing." And the attorney's like, "No, this is a right of way." There's a there's an easement here that the city has into oh, this nice. property. Good on <laughs> and him. And the cop is like, "God damn it, this guy's good." Yeah. He is. He's a fucking attorney. I think he knows he might his rights. Be an attorney. <laughs> okay, so this is what the attorney just said. If he's operating a motor vehicle, then you can do whatever you want. Right. But you're not a traffic violation. Well, I fall him out of town until I get one. Ah, uh, you uh, see. Here comes the chief. That's Are you investigating a crime? A possible crime? Possibly. Okay, he's obstructing an officer. Okay. Doing his duty, right? Okay. okay. The officers have a legal right to make contact with you based on a call. And I don't you're obstructing. I'm not here to, to listen but, to. I was trying to do, man. If you're PI, no big deal. We'll get out of here. We just gotta, we gotta confirm who you are. Make sure. Okay, but, I mean, I'm why do I have to answer questions? I'm, I'm here for a legal reason. They're here doing an investigation, and you're obstructing. I'd like to I'm smack that cop. Look at that shit-eating grin on him. Yep. You're failing to identify yourself. By law, you are failing. Right. You are failing to identify yourself. Put him in handcuffs. What law have I done? Are you serious? That's all you had to say from the beginning, man. I don't have to tell you that. Don't you guys understand what my rights are? Nobody said you have to tell us that. What we said is that you have to identify yourself. You do have to identify yourself. No, you don't. No, he doesn't. We do. Dude, I'm not legally required to give it to you. That fat pile of shit right there, that's why people hate cops. And I hate to be like, dude, I hate cops. I don't hate cops. I've had bad interactions with cops. Mm -hmm. I've had great interactions with cops. I I try not to paint the brush 
use the collective kind of reasoning when I think about a group of people. I try yeah. to break it down to the individual. But that fat pile of shit with that big smile on his face, you know, now he's in cuffs, so now I can sit here and yep. like try to get a rise out of you. We That's have, why people hate cops. We have that some cops that are going to come on the show, and I guarantee they would agree with you Yeah, on that. That's why people hate cops, because that guy is being totally unprofessional. One of them tells him to shut up during the, the whole thing. Yeah. But what he, what he continues to say is that I... It's none of your business. I don't have to tell you that. Well, why didn't you tell us that in the beginning? Because I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to tell you because it's none of your... Do you not understand the first thing that I said? You don't. I can tell. Right. No one has a goatee (laughs) like that on purpose. (laughs) You (laughs) fat fuck. So basically, they uncuff him and they do let him go. He he gets off. He he wins the fucking battle with these guys. But what this made me think of is that you know, it's very easy for us to have kind of a good uh, on this guy too. He's just well, like yeah, exactly standing on my principles. It is very easy for, especially people like you and me who can be a bit black pilled on the value of the Constitution, mm-hmm. but we do have rights. Right. The, the Bill of Rights specifically says that he does not have to incriminate himself, and this isn't. You know, there are instances where you know, like Dave Smith always talks about when you fill out your tax form, you're you know basically incriminating yourself if you get something wrong. Right. And that's a violation of the fifth amendment. But you know, the walls have obviously closed in on our rights, but those rights still do exist. And we're really lucky to live in a country where we have that. And so this guy took a great risk. This, this attorney, right. He could have just said, Oh yeah, I'm just here. You know, here's my ID. Obviously not doing anything wrong. Yeah. But because he is principled and he's a subversive minded guy who does not trust the government, he is going, he's not going to let them trample all over his rights. And that was what Jesus did. Jesus put himself in the same situations and he did not comply with what the government told him to do. And, you know, this guy could have gotten arrested. They very easily could have just completely abused this guy. Right. The next time you're pulled over and you just comply or you get yourself into trouble for not knowing your rights, um, you know, that is not going to shock anyone. Yeah. Right. Um, when you are told to wear a mask and you just go along with it so that you don't have to deal with the consequences of that, which can be kind of burdensome and you could go to jail and you could, you know what the message that Jesus gave us, I think one of his many was that he sacrificed his own life for what he believed in. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the state killed him for that. And so I am thinking about on this Christmas that I'm going to do as much as I can to, um, resist things that are not just and stand up and make some personal sacrifices in my life. I have a, a kid to think about. I'm not going to go to the extreme where it gets me killed. But at the same time, um, I think that we all could, you know, probably make more sacrifices than we do to keep the wolves at bay and keep the walls from closing in on our constitution and know, and also know your rights. You know, you don't have to be an attorney to know all this stuff. You just have to watch these short YouTube videos and listen to the Liberty Tree podcast. Yeah. There you go. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Dude, you're getting me like charged up today. <laughs> I really appreciate it. You're welcome, brother. <laughs> uh, quick break? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome.
recently brought up, I don't know, we were chatting earlier this week, and you brought up that you were looking at the 14th Amendment. Mm-hmm. What was that within the context of? Well, the, the Trump, Col- state of Colorado thing. and okay. California and probably some other states are trying to use the 14th Amendment to keep Trump from running. And my basic understanding of what the 14th Amendment is, it was passed after the Civil War to keep all of the uh, people that were... Part of the Confederacy at that point. Yeah. Uh, unable to attain any kind of political power. Correct. That I understand it. Correct. Sort of trying to play, apply that same metric from written back then to Donald Trump now mm-hmm. today, the way I understand it. I got that more. The reason why I don't know is that I kind of checked out. Yeah. And I have just uh, like kind of, I guess you could call it like an immediate kind of disinterest uh, to this. And when I find... You know, it helps that I'm working by myself. I'm all alone all day. And so right. a couple of days I forget my headphones, so I'm not listening to anything. And I'm just like start thinking. And I was like, uh, just some of the podcasts I listen, it's like everyone's talking about this thing. So the the easy way to play it is like, it's it's really easy to develop that fatigue. I'm like, I just, I, I can't listen to the same topic over and over and over. I more or less know like where everyone stands. And, yeah. And just to, I think that the, the, crux of the situation with the 14th amendment Mm -hmm. is that it does not, it should not apply to a former president. Mm -hmm. It's meant to apply to subversive, um, anti state groups and people that were involved in, in overthrowing the, the U S government. Now I don't necessarily think that that is appropriate. You know, I don't believe that a 14th amendment is necessary. I don't think that, I mean, if if we didn't allow that to happen, we wouldn't have a country in the first place, right? right? People should be able to overthrow a government that doesn't suit their needs anymore. And frankly, mm-hmm. calling a civil war a civil war is wrong because it was just, it was a war of I'm thinking of that, secession. That, that Al Sharpton on MSNBC, like, can you imagine Thomas Jefferson trying to overthrow oh his God. own government? <laughs> You're like, dude, crack a fucking history book, you dimwit. Oh my God, that guy. Like, can you imagine Seriously. him and Kamala Harris had a kid and be just the fucking most ridiculous. So, uh, you know who uh, Jack, uh, oh no, Tom, uh, uh, El- oh shit, um, I, I, was, I wanted to read this tweet to you, but basically the other thing about it too is that everyone says that the 14th Amendment um, was anyone that's siding with Trump is siding with the Confederates. On, on the issue of the 14th <laughs> Amendment. And I I have been trying to... Dude, uh, do, doesn't it get a little pathetic at some point? Does it get a little sad? You want to tell these people, like, dude, look, the whole racist thing is not flying. It's, you got to come up with something else. You need, like, I, you know, you can't use that in every single situation. I know. The white supremacy, domestic extremist, you know... Like you got to do, you do some goddamn, you guys need to make the effort if we're going to have a decent psyop here. We deserve better psyops. Exactly. So I, I responded to somebody on, on Twitter and I said, uh, there's, there's two problems with that argument. Um, Trump is a Republican, <laughs> not a Democrat, which is who the 14th amendment <laughs> was written for. There's, there's that. And he was the goddamn president of the United States. Did you see Kathy Hochul? Do you see that she came out and said, uh, uh, what was it? They're talking about the 14th amendment. Like Democrats have been fighting against, like there's a reason why 
you know, we ended slavery. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Dude, and that goes back to this idea that people are not being educated. Civil rights, the KKK. No, we keep our kids dumb so that they don't actually know the truth about these things. I get it. Kids can be dumb. Not governors of an entire state, though. Well, I don't think she's dumb. She's just evil. Really? Well, haven't you heard that line, uh, that narrative that... Uh, I'm on the fence. I think she's really dumb. Well, she's one of those dumb and evil ones. <laughs> Unlike Kamala Harris, who's just... Harris is just too dumb to be evil. evil. Yeah. <laughs> there is a narrative that is very, very popular, and I guarantee any of these idiot Democrat, like, paid Democrats that are on Twitter that are, you know, like the Brooklyn dad defiant guy and all that. That, <laughs> that guy. Fuck, what a... Would you like to go camping with him? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, un- insufferable. Dude, I'm just trying to make a s'more here. <laughs> you fucking lighten up for a second. The narrative says, though, that at one point, the team switched. And the Republicans became Democrats and the Democrats became Republicans. Uh, yeah, I've actually heard that within uh, several different contexts. Because um, Democrats are essentially... Uh, neocons at this point. If you look at the, as far as like chicken hawks yeah, war, they would they would say it happened even you know much before that, like in the sixties. Yeah, no, because but it's definitely a direction that they have gone. Everything good Democrats did, everything bad Republicans did. That's all you need to know, right? So they switched. However, you they you need to make that work in the timeline, and the, then they switch back maybe, and then they switch back again. Whatever you need to do in your head to make that. Yeah, work. Everything good was Democrat. Everything bad was Republican. Yes. That's all you need to know. That is the narrative. So uh, where were we with that? Uh, so that was the 14th Amendment. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and uh, you, I don't know why you brought it up. Though. So <laughs> I was talking about that, you know, I have like the usual, like kind of plain old fatigue, you know, particularly like anything to do is anything to do with Trump because he just tends to suck the air out of the room, particularly with lefties. And I remember having this realization like two days after he was elected in 2016. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sick of hearing about this guy. And this is due in large part because, one, I just don't enjoy watching grown adults have temper tantrums. And, two, it's just one of, and we talked about this on the last episode, it's like it's just the most boring and predictable conversation that they can have. It's like, I just, And here we are, we're... Seven and a half years, and I'm hearing the same people talk about the same thing over and over and over again. There might be a slight twist. It's no longer Russian collusion. Now it's hiding documents in his garage, or it's his tax records, or it's uh, paying off a porn star, but it's just the same people saying the same thing. And it's you rarely get that many receipts out of them. Right. Now here we are as a country in 2023. This has been going on since 2016 and we're still blowing on this fire to keep it going. And the latest shiny toy is that they have taken them off the ballot in Colorado, um, which, you know, your usual MSNBC and Huffington Post are just jerking off into a ceiling fan. So it sprays back in their face because they're just so happy about everything. And then another court case comes that now they're not going to charge the indictments in March, which would have taken them off the campaign trail and blah, 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 blah. And 
all this happens, I'm thinking, oh, just in time for Christmas dinner. Like, thank God. Like, now we have something to talk about again for the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh year in a row. I can sit here and listen to you grown adults like scream about Trump. And I thought about this. This is what made me think, you know, because when this happens, I don't care. I don't give a shit. I just go back to staring in the middle of distance and uh, contemplating whether simulation theory actually exists. But I was trying to think while I was working and you and I had a conversation while we were talking about this. I'm like, because when I have like a consistent reaction to something, I try to reverse engineer it. Like, how did you get there? You know, like, it just like, here you are again. You're experiencing this same kind of attitude sort towards this subject. Like, let's try to backtrack and see like how we got there. And so what I thought about this is number one, this is do this. This is applies to the Trump conversation because I'm skipping through podcasts. I'm like, I, I'm so sick. I don't, I don't want to hear about this. I just, I don't give a shit. Number one, this one is more obvious. We talked about this yesterday. Trump is not going to be president. Here's a major reason why I just don't give a shit. You people on the right, I'm sorry. Your Lord and Savior, Daddy Trump, you know, the paintings of him on the mountain and uh, Trump gold coins are selling time. Chariot. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming in on a chariot and saving America. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm also sorry, and this is very deranged and perverted in did, my can mind. Can I just say also, yes. it, even if he did get elected, all of those fantasies about him are not going <laughs> to come <laughs> true, true either. Anyway, yes. And I'm also, I hate to break it to you guys on the left. Like, I'm sorry for the bad news. You're going to have to find something else to talk about for the next four and a half years. I realize this notion faces you with the prospect of having this empty massive void in your psyche. You're going to have to fill that with, up with something else. Maybe, I don't know, family, your job. Mm. I don't know. Maybe take up, uh, I don't know, what they Jiu Jitsu. Uh, well, I'm saying pickleball. <laughs> I think these people <laughs> are more, um, and, and chin up, like, don't worry, like something else will come along. Maybe we'll start a new war or maybe in some like weird unprecedented move, Taylor Swift actually joins the chiefs and take them to the Super Bowl, And like that can like fill that void, you know, wherever you want to do. Now, the second reason, and this is the one that was, I was thinking about while we were talking yesterday and I was like, I don't want to say anything cause I'm still kind of working through this in my mind, but I'd, th I'd been thinking about it all day. And this, this one's a little more interesting to me cause the first one's like fairly obvious, right? Yeah. Um, I thought about this a lot and then this gets into the topic of controlled opposition and things like controlled opposition are pretty fascinating to me because they use the same, I guess, like space in the zeitgeist as like a false flag, mm -hmm. for example. And as we have talked about with false flags, and I believe this to be true with controlled opposition, as we say, it's not what's. What's hard, like like the intellectual hurdle that most of the people around you, the NPCs and the blue pill and the and the normies can't get around, it's like they just are fascinated, whether politically or with an issue like a, a false flag or or a um, controlled opposition. It's like it either exists or it doesn't. It's real or it's a conspiracy theory. And we try to lay out to people like these things exist on a gradient. They exist on like this kind of spectrum, right? And there's elements that you know, can contribute uh, in hindsight when we look back at the situation and you're like, yeah, that's a very kind of false flaggy event. Now, it doesn't mean that the FBI came in and did, you know, that school shooting or whatever, but the shooter 
whacked out on SRIs, had been talking to the FBI for eight months online, like that's a component of like a false flag event. And we try to kind of present the idea, the notion of like, it's, it's not like, it's not black. It's not white. It's not number one, number two. There's like different options and they exist on the spectrum and like somewhere on that spectrum, like even you, the more that you learn about a situation, like you figure out like where it kind of lands on that. Would you agree? Yep. Yep. hundred percent. I think that, um, maybe this is a good time to just sprinkle this in. The existence of false flag events mm-hmm. and psyops and um, general tomfoolery of the deep state. <laughs> Easy with the language, Mister. <laughs> okay, sorry, I forgot it's a family <laughs> podcast. Um, is in some ways the knowledge of that, the evidence that that actually exists, benefits the state because it helps them uh, hide behind all of the conspiracy theories. So, mm-hmm. for example, if if conspiracy theories were not a thing, like there just was no evidence of any fuckery going on, right? then people would not buy most conspiracy theories. Yeah. But when you look at the JFK assassination and all of the obvious stupid shit that they tried to pull over on us yeah. comes out, it makes people much more likely to embrace a a conspiracy. Yeah. And so as... Or as we call it, the, cons- the, the red pill event. Yes. Yeah. And as consumers of these conspiracies, we start to see conspiracies in places where they don't exist. They may or they may not exist. Yeah. Right? And we sometimes end up doing the deep state's work for them by making... When you talk about, especially with um, controlled opposition, mm-hmm. you know, Vivek Ramaswamy, for example, who I think, you know, at, on face value is probably the best candidate available right now who's not a libertarian. Mm-hmm. And it is, no one will accept that, right? Yeah. Everything about him just seems too good to be true. And so we do the work for the deep state who he's committed to disassembling. Yeah. Based on his speeches, we do the work for them of trying to, you know, just like tear him down because we just we just don't believe it. Right. What we really need is Trump. <laughs> right. Because he's got a track record of actually, you know, it's like, what? I mean, let's look at, you know, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. That as you were no, saying, no. I've been thinking I, that, about it for a that's while. That's where I was going with it, too. I don't want to be I don't want to contribute to. Um, it's almost like, you know, it's kind of it's kind of not cool in our circle to be a Ramaswamy or anyone supporter. Right. You know, maybe, maybe, uh, some obscure, you know, if Dave Smith was running, like it would be punk rock to be supporting him. Yeah. But Vivek Ramaswamy is so slick and so mainstream and so good. He sued the WEF and won. And everyone's like, Oh, of course. Yeah. See that, that in and of itself shows you that he is, you know, yeah. a, a total deep state plant. Right. And it's just, I don't want to go. I don't want to contribute to that. Yeah. Or at least be make sure that I'm not, you know, <clears throat> getting too carried away in the other direction. Yeah, when in, and when everything kind of lines up, like narrative-wise, approach with extreme trepidation. Because it's like, okay. Even your own narrative. Even when, when Malay in Argentina is like, okay, what he says, I like. 
Now, will he actually do that? That's another thing. But I think my point is more like, let's not, let's not cut his legs out yeah. from under him because we think he's too good to be true. Yeah. I Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's hope that what he does is the right thing instead of going immediately to that thing. Oh, he's, you know, right. Controlled opposition. Yeah. Yeah. So far I would, I would agree with what you said. I mean, cause my, I guess my, the nucleus of my political philosophy begins with not bombing the shit out of other countries. And he's the only guy <laughs> that has even come close to saying anything close, you know, yeah. resembling that. Yeah. So, so let's take, you know, go back to false flags as we're taking our example. Cause I'm drawing a metaphor for uh, presenting like the spectrum of the notion of the false flag as, a, as an, and then to get a better understanding uh, what, what controlled opposition is, which I found a decent article, which we'll get into a little bit, but you bring up someone that, um, if you bring up this idea to someone who has never considered like leaving the three by five card of acceptable opinion, as Tom Woods puts it, they go like, Oh, controlled opposition or false flags. Like, so you're saying what the government, our government just goes and kills its own people to achieve some kind of agenda. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is what I'm saying. But if that's too far fetched for you, I mean, we have an example of that uh, with the, the Reichstag fire to kick off World War II. We have mm-hmm. having knowledge of an event that is likely to happen and just letting it happen, uh, sinking the Lusitania, also World War II. Um, one. What, oh, sorry, one. Thank you. Um, we have a plan to do that that just doesn't get off the ground. Operation Northwoods. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have um, someone that does some horrific event, uh, say like a mass shooting, and then to look back and like, oh, this guy had been talking to the FBI for like eight months. And then that's where you get the Simpsons meme. Say the line. He was on our radar. <laughs> it's like same thing every time. I, I think the same holds true for the notion of controlled opposition. It's like it could be pretty like a, a very like actual cut and dried thing, the way that we understand um, controlled opposition. And this article does a very good job of explaining just the first level of what we know. So it doesn't really kind of expand it into a, a spectrum. Did we commit the sin of talking about controlled opposition of a whole bunch without defining what it is? I'm doing that right now. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of bringing this up. Okay. <laughs> So we could have uh, the creation of Hamas by Met, by Netanyahu and the U.S. State Department. Like that is like textbook controlled opposition. Controlled opposition. Yeah. It's and because they were leaning towards more of like a Western uh, model of dare I say democracy, which, as we know, the more uh, at least what I believe is that's the government that's going to make people prosper and, and bring them you know up out of the out of poverty and mm-hmm. more of a free market. And for example. And Netanyahu and the IDF and the U.S. State Department saw that and said, like, no, 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 no. Like, we need these people under our foot. And so they created Hamas. Now, we could have it in the context of... Or fostered it, if not created it. No, they created it. whole cloth. Yeah. No, I think it already was... Oh, it already, like, existed, but we gave them... We brought them into the power hierarchy, right? right? They, They didn't really have any, like, substantial political power up until then. So it could be something that is which is, I'm glad you brought it up because it could be like, okay, we have this existing thing here. They don't really have any power. 
but let's bring them into power because we can use this as leverage to get this other political agenda. Because <laughs> those guys are fucking crazy. <laughs> nuts. They'll do anything. <laughs> and uh, all they need is more weapons, Raytheon. <laughs> and some money, guitar. <laughs> yeah. And so we could bring them to power and then they get a little off the rails because now like they achieved a little bit of political power. Now they're well armed and then they, it kind of goes off the rails. So like a perfect example of this was us creating slash arming ISIS in Syria because at that time we wanted to overthrow Assad mm-hmm. and we tried our best to, this, that, this is controlled opposition. It's not just... This, the way the article breaks this out, it's like, yeah, you have like the spy or you think about your typical agent provocateur that goes out and like says like, I'm with this cause and they're kind of sabotaging it from the inside out. Is It also works like this where um, which you have this overlap into like what we understand to be proxy wars, for example. So this could be us arming ISIS. ISIS goes and starts to try and throw over overthrow Assad. Um and it goes back and forth, and then ISIS grows and grows and grows, and all of a sudden, like, ah, shit. These people we just armed, uh, they're kind of like... <laughs> out turns out to be like the most ridiculous <laughs> psychopaths that we, we've ever known. No longer in controlled opposition. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that I was using it in terms of, like, of Vivek Ramaswamy would be that he is actually working to undermine the anti-establishment movement that's kind of taken hold in America. Right. So he looks like he's anti-establishment, but deep down he's a statist and he's just going to, his only goal is to undermine Trump. Or the, the same, the, the same notion has been applied to Ron DeSantis. You mm-hmm. have someone like Steve Bannon totally. coming on. I was like, I, I think Ron DeSantis is controlled opposition to draw attention away from Trump. You know what I mean? That's why people like Ron DeSantis are getting all this like democratic support all of a sudden. Right. So that's like the most benign, like, yeah, uh, on board. Like, yeah, this, it's, and, it's political maneuvering, and, and this not really a conspiracy controlled. theory either. Yeah. Like, obviously, Nikki Haley is being controlled by the you know military industrial Satan. complex. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I repeat, you repeat myself. Yeah. <laughs> so the and the reason why I bring all those examples up, this is, would go to your blue pill normie. It goes, oh, a controlled opposition sounds like conspiracy theory. It's like, well. Let's look at some real life examples. So you can start with that most milk toast example of like, in a way, like we have vocal Democratic support for a candidate like Ron DeSantis. Why is that? Like, well, it's just it's politically expedient for the people for all the anti-Trumpers out there. You know what I mean? And so, it, it maybe these people, you know, these NPCs can slowly start to screw in that sputtering light bulb. <laughs> that, that maybe some of these ideas will kind of get through to them. So I found this article, and as I was saying, it's kind of like a one-on-one course on the idea, but it does a good job as to like what the actual like politically political objective thinking is behind like the controlled opposition. And this is I'm going to bring this all the way back to why I just didn't give a shit about this whole Fourteenth Amendment <laughs> conversation. Like I had to go through this in my mind. I'm like, what? Why? You, why do you have that reaction? Like I'm super interested. And this is kind of like what I came to. Um, I also want to point out that I want to take a quick side street here is that for, how am I saying this? Interesting perspectives or different takes on things of like whatever is going on now or whatever historical event that we look at. I just want to share this with people. It takes a lot of work. 
Because if you look this stuff up on Google or YouTube, as we say, you're going to have to read paragraph seven. That goes for finding the actual articles. You got to go like deep, deep, deep. Because when I looked into the idea of controlled opposition, I had to go through like four or five pages of like, eh, it's this kind of conspiracy. By pages, you theory. mean like search results. 40 search results. Yeah. Per search page. results. Yeah. yeah. Just going like, okay, okay, okay. Like, you know, same with YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I want to remind people that. Um, That's funny because usually dildo and YouTube are so far, you know, apart. They don't, not a lot of cross-pollination. <laughs> yeah, they're always buttoned heads. So I urge people to shove aside all the, the CNNs and the MSNBCs and the Fox Newses and the Washington Post and the New York Times and do some digging. There is so much amazingly, like, well-done, well-researched independent journalism. And that is our only, I think, my belief is that, in, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, I believe the most powerful weapon that we have in a cache is information. This is why there's such a, a coordinated and orchestrated attack against information or what they want to call malinformation, disinformation, misinformation. We want to teach media literacy to kindergartners from the people that have been fucking lying to us mm-hmm. this entire time. They get everything wrong about COVID, about every war. They lie us into every war. Um, go... I urge people check out places like Rumble, Substack, Telegram. Substack is amazing. Now, of course, same thing. You got to sift through some pretty wingnut shit. But you have all these like independent journalists and all these podcasts out there that are not beholden to any corporate entity. They don't have, they don't go into, I, I know them with Israel. I know them with Palestine. I was like, I hate Putin. I'm pro, you know, I stand with Ukraine. You people that just go like, I have no opinion. Here's the facts as I understand that. It's out there. You you just have to work to find it. And I urge people like, just take that extra five to six minutes when you go to look at information. This is the most powerful weapon that, that you can have is, and it takes some work. I'm sorry. Like it's going to tear you away from going to play golf or watching football or arguing with people on Facebook. Sorry. It's going to be worth it though in the end. If you want to have an opinion on this. If you want to flip through life as a complete NPC and just not have opinions on anything, then I, I, I don't even know how you made it this far into this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and God bless you. <laughs> I thought of it like this, uh, and, and you know, I don't want to do all this all the time, but mainstream media is essentially, it's like, it's like the fast food of information, right? Which is, it's, Sure, like much of it is easier to, you don't think about what it consists of. It's mm-hmm. much easier to have someone do the work for you. Yeah, you don't, doesn't require any attention span. You don't really know what's in it. You just go like, eh, just is what it is in this mm-hmm. package. Tastes good. And I eat it. And then, but what I'm trying to say is like, it's slowly rotting you from the inside out. Yeah. So point being, what I'm getting at. Fast media. Yeah. If you take in mainstream media, you're eventually going to die of metabolic heart disease in your 50s. And no one wants that. So back to the article. It starts off with a quote. The best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves. That's from Lenin. And I also take this time to remind people of the episode we did on Lenin and the six principles of propaganda. Mm-hmm. You remember all those? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you don't have to I recall. Have right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is on the test, mister. <laughs> Shit. Uh Number one, the ends justifies the means. Number two, be the first to seize territory, manipulate the language, whatever you have to do. 
Three, never let a go, good crisis go to waste. Four, demonize, dehumanize the enemy. <laughs> Number five, propaganda of example. So you're that political subversive, your neighbor, hang him from the light post so everyone sees it when you're getting off your 18-hour shift at the factory. You go like, okay, definitely not going to speak out on Sends a message. And number six, to bring it back to something relevant to Trump, as it was the original impetus for this conversation, when everything goes south, and it will go south because these are terrible ideas, blame your predecessor. Yes, I do remember that now. So this article says, it starts out, controlled opposition is any person, so you want to explain what the basics are if someone doesn't understand this. Controlled opposition is any person or organization which appears to be on one side but is secretly working against the interests of that movement. Now, this is the most, like, rudimentary understanding of what controlled opposition is, right? And we try to present it as more of a gradient, right, as a, as a notion of ideas. And it could be anywhere between these kind of bookends. Now, this would be like your most basic understanding. You have like a, a spy or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's like, hey, I'm like with you guys, and then they're sending information back or whatever it is. So back to the article. Controlled opposition is a powerful strategy in a typical political conflict. Each group only gets to play their side of the conflict. With controlled opposition, one organization can play both sides. So this can be done through, as I was saying, like infiltration, spies, all the typical components that we would understand to be part of controlled opposition. Uh, I forgot to pay off who actually did this. <laughs> this article? Yeah, I got to find it. It's, uh, yeah. If I'm, uh, Brandon Murata, what is controlled opposition? Uh, this is from Hegemon Media. So got to make sure to give that guy a shout out so I don't steal his work. But then, just like with false flags, like we can think of this, controlled opposition does not only exist as creating an entity and like having it claim to work for or lead like whatever opposition party that we have, but it can also, just like a false flag, can take these like pre-existing groups that we see or a pre-existing group of like, or one person, for mm-hmm. example, and go like, okay, I think we can kind of push this our way, give them some support. So a perfect example would be, uh, the U.S. State Department in Victoria Newland in 2014 taking the Svoboda Party, who you know encompassed the far-right Nazi party. Um, well, Svoboda Party was a Nazi party. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Azov Battalion and going, like, okay, I think we can use these guys to overthrow the democratically elected um, government of Ukraine in 2014. You know, while we preach back at home that, you know, the biggest threat to America is white supremacy and, and Nazis. <laughs> it's like, it's funny because you're calling me a Nazi and I'm paying my taxes and that money goes to Nazis in Ukraine. So, so I can, guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I would be against it, but <laughs> apparently I don't have a, don't have a choice. This remind me of that quote. Uh, I'm sure you heard of this. Politics makes strange bedfellows. Yes. That is an adaption from the Shakespeare play from The Tempest, actually. Okay. I don't know why I ended up looking this out. The original quote is, uh, misery acquaints a man with strange bedfellows. And mm. that was tweaked to politics makes strange bedfellows, which has Victoria Newland making that call. Yahtzee's our guy. You know what? And fuck the EU and taking our tax money and actually giving it to actual Nazis, not people that drink milk or mow their lawn or on time for work. Yeah, work actual, out. actual Nazis. <laughs> 
Back to the article. Controlled opposition is more dangerous to movement than open opposition. Open opposition inspires resistance, while controlled opposition is designed to absorb their, that resistance. Once controlled opposition takes control of a movement, the only hope for the cause of that movement for is for real opposition to take back the movement, expose the controlled opposition for what they are, or build an alternative movement. I'm not trying to like bowl you over here. Comes, I'm, I am going somewhere with this. I am going like kind of getting out of the weeds, but I want to bring this up as kind of a, I guess you can call it like an alternative framework for what we are seeing now to bring it back to Trump and this whole, my attitude about the 14th amendment and why I just was, I was trying to figure out like, why do I, I can't figure out why, like, I just don't care about this at all is I think this kind of, explains in a weird, perverse, roundabout way all of the hand-wringing and pearl-clutching about, you know, the evil orange man <laughs> that's going to come get us. Because this is where you have to start asking questions, and I, I, I'd employ you to kind of think about these things. Is the media, this is step one, is the media enhance the people's fascination with Trump intentionally propagated to make us believe that we still have a role in the power process? Because we, you and you and I are operating under the premise that he's not going to be president. That that has been predetermined, right? Rather, it could be anywhere for from fixing an election to not having an election to civil unrest to assassination, and this is what we talked about yesterday, mm -hmm. right? And I think. All of those are very, very likely outcomes. Yeah. Nothing would surprise me out of that. Because we talked about they could not have the election. So what was our beef with that? It's like, okay, you could cancel the election like they did in Ukraine, by the way. And we would go like, well, you have to have one eventually. I mean, because people are just going to start going stir crazy. It's like, we're not going to have the election. So we'll have it like next week, like next month. What's going to be the reason for not having that election? Well, this could be the previous prediction. Uh, maybe there's a internet outage, a domestic extremist like terrorist act that was done on the internet. Therefore, now we need control of the internet. We have an internet ID, which they're very much mm -hmm. trying to push uh, here, Australia, England, New Zealand. I mean, everywhere. It could be assassination which sounds hyperbolic, but once we started talking about it yesterday, you're like, yeah, that's, that's on the table because COVID's played out, so they mm -hmm. can't do that. Uh, assassination just, as long as they don't get caught doing it, assassination just leads to total civil unrest mm -hmm. because we've all been pre-programmed to know that... Um, the spooks do exist mm -hmm. in the government. The deep state does do terrible things and that they very well could assassinate a president like they've done before. Mm -hmm. And then everyone revolts. Next thing you know, we got a, we got a J six honeypot. Yep. We go on lockdowns that make COVID look like spring break, which kind of did happen on spring break. <laughs> um, and then we get our bank accounts shut down. We get a CBDC. We get the internet identif uh, identity cards or whatever. Right. Yeah, all that same internet stuff. ID. Still, they use that crisis to this, usher in all those things. domestic 
extremist event happened on the internet and we didn't know who it was and we could have stopped it if we had known like this anonymous person was therefore we need internet ID and they're already trying to censor and register podcasts in Canada has already happened and they're trying to pass similar laws here in California. Hate speech laws are coming. They did their fundraising and they, they use cash to pay for their, uh, nefarious activities. Right. We have to get rid of cash and go to a central bank digital currency. And know where every single dollar that is where it goes, we need to go know everything. Otherwise to we make cannot you safe. guarantee your it's, safety. It's it's the Patriot Act all over again, which yeah. is still with us. It has grown actually. Like these I try to tell people like tyranny never goes the other way. It's a ratchet. It's yep. snap, snap, snap. It just keeps going. Like it never gets released. The only time it gets released is when people in Minecraft twist off and well, just start killing people that in power, which we do it, not condone. I can't tell that, say that enough. The thing about a ratchet, though, it can only get so tight. Mm-hmm. There is a point where it cannot be tightened anymore. I, I, and I believe us to kind of be in that stage right now, the way I understand it. I think, as you're saying, it's politics have become Machiavellian at this point. And they have reached a fever pitch. It really has. Yeah. And like, I used to make fun of people, like everything is on the line on this, at this election. This is the most important. I I kind of believe This is the most election of our lifetimes. (laughs) This is the most election of our lifetime. Uh, The thing about time. uh, So when you understand, to go back to what I was saying, uh, once you understand the basic tenets of controlled opposition, you can start to see kind of Trump as being controlled opposition. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was kind of thinking about. Like, think of it like this. There's essentially, I think we talked about this yesterday. There's basically an entire media industrial complex built around this one person who's not president. Right. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I thought of my Huffington Post game. This is a great game for, mm-hmm. for you at home. Uh, put the, uh, the Huffington Post app on your phone and then go like, okay, what they do is they have the headline and the articles, the featured articles underneath. There's 10 articles total. And you go like, how many of these articles will be about Trump? So in, who is not president and is not going to be president. Um, it usually fluctuates, fluctuates between three and five. Pull your phone out right now and do it. Sure. I want to see if this holds water. And today is a Saturday, so... Slow news day. Might be a slow news day. So it usually goes between three and five. Uh, Yesterday, I nailed it. I'm like, I'm going to go four. I was like, Uh I'm four. The record is seven. They had seven out of ten articles about Trump. Okay, here we go. Uh, Let's go down. Main headline, big. Biden sides with Senate climate hawks. Okay, no. Israeli airstrikes flatten two Gaza homes. Nope. Republican groups sound the alarm on wannabe dictator Trump in scathing ad. All right, got one One. down right there. Missouri school board votes to remove black history classes. I don't believe that to be true. Oh, my God. (laughs) My mom right there. Who's who's the author (laughs) on that? (laughs) It says Kelly's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Seattle Hospital says Texas AD records of gender-affirming care given to Texas minors. Okay, don't believe it. Body cam footage shows North Dakota Republican using homophobic slurs. Laura Lynch, founding member of the oh someone from the Dixie Chicks died, really? Oh, founding member. She was sixty five. Okay, wait, founding member of the Dixie Chicks is sixty five. Yeah, they must have been around way before. And I'm a Dixie Chicks fan. I I didn't know who that was. Huh. 
Uh, Donald Trump makes absolutely wild claim Ding. about Jared K. We got two suspect, uh, suspect arrested in alleged theft of Banksy or so. Okay, two out of ten. Yeah, that's a sad so thing. Yeah. But point being, you have to ask, if this guy didn't exist, like what what would they write? What about? would they be doing? What would they be doing? <laughs> It's like they have an entire industry built around this person. Well, we've known, yeah, and we've known for a long time that Trump was one of the best things that ever happened to CNN and MS, right. NBC. You know, when he was running for president in 2016, a lot of people credit them with getting him elected. Yeah. They wouldn't so, ignore him. So to go back to, yes, I agree. And to go back to controlled opposition, it doesn't have to be like, we're going to get this guy, he's going to go spy, he's going to infiltrate. He's working for us, he's on the blah, payroll. Blah, blah. It could be like... I think this thing that already exists, this is actually optimal, this thing that already exists, I think we can manipulate it to achieve like whatever, usually like a political agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is how controlled opposition works. And it's like, this is why I want to explain to people. It's not just a binary. It's like it exists on this like gradient. It could be anywhere and on there. And like you said with Hamas, you know, it could get out of control. Yes. Some would say it did. <laughs> I mean, with Trump, though, and some would say it did. Yes. Right? If if Trump, it comes, I mean, it'd be hard to deny that he wasn't controlled opposition just based on the media who basically control 75% of Americans' thoughts. Yeah. Um, that he wasn't it controls the controlled psyche opposition. Of the, of the American mind, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is in opposition to the mainstream, the cathedral, as we say, like to say. And is he controlled? I mean, kind of. He probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for MSNBC and CNN being so obsessed with him. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I don't know if it's, it's almost like a um, reciprocal relationship. I don't know who would watch those shows if it wasn't for him. Right. Which is kind of interesting. It's so then you start to think once you understand like the basic tenets of controlled opposition, you realize like this is very much an intentionally manufactured distraction. It's the shiny object. It's like all you mainstream media chuckleheads and all the NPCs around you, like when you walk at the front door and you have been relentlessly ranting and raving for seven and a half years now about the exact thing. You're taking the bait. It's, and this is why I'm like, when someone like us, I'm like, it's just, I'm so sick of hearing this. It's like nothing has changed. It's like you're ranting about this thing. And now we understand it. You're ranting about, it's just the end of democracy. And, uh, you know, women will be put in cages, forced to have babies. It'll be the same cages that they put the kids in on the border. (laughs) It's just like this ridiculous, like spoon fed, fabricated narrative. Mm -hmm. And you guys are just buying it and you're, you're clutching your pearls and wringing your hands and, and screaming at, at, dude, remember, I'm guessing you don't watch the Rachel Maddow show, but I would love to see a montage of the Rachel Maddow show on MSNBC during the whole Russian collusion thing, who she started out every, every show, by the way, Rachel Maddow, Rhodes Scholars, you ever follow the trajectory of Rhodes Scholars? You talked about where it came yeah, from and everything. It came yeah. from Cecil Rhodes, the, like the OG eugenicist. Okay. Who um, used uh, the work of anthropologists at that time to go to the Royal Crown of Britain and say like, these people in Africa, they're actually closer to primates than they are to white people. 
they, that's why we need to go in there and basically kind of run the place. Otherwise, it's just going to run amok. They just also happen to be sitting on the world's largest supply of diamonds, which is that's what the De Beers Diamond Company started out with. That was Cecil Rhodes. So if you're a Rhodes Scholar and uh, you know you're at Stanford or whatever complaining about we should take down that statue, I'm like, you might want to look in the history of Cecil Rhodes. Diamonds, they last forever. Or it, it'll seem like they do if you're a child slave in Africa <laughs> digging for them. Um, slavery lasts forever. <laughs> fucking teenagers. <laughs> fucking eight-year-olds. <laughs> Slowest diggers ever. <laughs> they. Um, I I remember seeing like, clips of Rachel Maddow during the Russian collusion, like every show and she had five days a week started out like this. (sighs) Okay. This is, this one's big. Later on, we have Adam Schiff coming on to go through some bombshell details from the steel dossier. Apparently he has seen the evidence. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, not one of those things came true. That would be a good supercut. It would be. It would be. It, it, it'd drive you nuts. So I basically want to just view these things, right, left, apolitical, whatever it is. I want you to start viewing these things within the context of controlled opposition, because I very much think that that's what it is. I feel a hot wind on my shoulder.